I think we may safely say that half of the people of the earth today believe that be, be, between God as a supreme principle and man as the projection of that principle into society, that between these there are intermediaries, that there are always in the world certain God-enlightened prophets, certain great teachers, wise ones, as mentioned in the scriptures of every people, including the Christian scriptures. There is at the root of us a tremendous archetypal fraternity, a fraternity of purposes by which individuals are bound together at their sources. These invisible principles are continuously conspiring and conspiring with evidence of rational directive toward the improvement of man and the protection of those values which man has come to regard as indispensable. It is only a step, therefore, to consider a kind of hierarchy, a kind of overgroup, bound together by true knowledge, bound together by a common possession of realities. This group forms some kind of a formal or informal structure, a structure which man most rapidly apperceives by retiring into his own nature and, preserve, and perceiving at the root of himself cosmos and structure rather than chaos and disorder. Most religions have from the beginning taught the realities of such prophets, such patriarchs, and have indicated that behind the general government of man there is an invisible government of principles. These principles administered by beings of some nature or kind, these beings form together the sacred and supreme government of the world. In Asia, this is commonly believed. In the Near East, it is held as a certainty. And many Western peoples have become profoundly sympathetic to such an idea. Under these thoughts and conditions, we naturally turn, as man has from the beginning, in the direction of faith. Faith being in reality, our conviction of the reality of certain substance which we do not see, and yet without which life is meaningless. We look into ourselves, we cannot see our own life, yet by this life we live, and from it is suspended all that we do. We cannot see our thought, yet by this thought we become reasonable beings. We cannot see the light that nourishes things, but we behold them to be nourished. Thus we cannot entirely overcome the belief that there resides in invisibles, principles, powers, energies, and for that matter, rationalisms, which are not apparent immediately in themselves, but the reality of which we must accept in order to preserve our own integrities and rededicate ourselves to those ends which we know to be right. Ancient secret societies worshipped secretly the secret God. 
They worshipped a concept of a divine power moving continuously into life for the improvement of man. Modern human beings are not quite so convinced of this, yet in many parts of the world they have retained the old beliefs and strengthened them and rationalized them and no amount of culture or westernization has been able to take it from them. Namely that there is a tremendous preserving force administered intelligently by beings or persons who are party to the ultimate secrets of the divine purpose. That there are those as called God-illumined persons. And this illumination includes the conviction that there is a pattern and that the laws, principles, and motions of society are governed from a root. And in contemplating this root, man has come to the inevitable conclusion that it is a godly formation, a godly grouping of beings. Such belief is of the mind of Islam. It is of the mind of India. It is of the mind of China. It is the mind of Japan. It is the mind of North Africa. For wherever these peoples go, uh, the belief that there are among them certain saintly beings has never been questioned or doubted. Even among our Western Indians today, the belief in this over-government flourishes in the little desert pueblos. It flourishes also among the various religious sects of the area, both Indian and non-Indian. Everywhere there is the belief of, a, of an invisible intercession, a power moving in upon man, and it has been normal to assume that this power is composed of an organization, a government over governments, an archetypal government such as Plato expressed in his doctrine of the philosophic elect, that this being conceivable to man means that it is, that it exists, for man cannot imagine or devise out of himself that which is inconsistent with the universal framework in which he functions. So many nations look to this over government with the greatest hope that it will ultimately lead to their liberation, such as the mind of China today, such as the mind of India. For beneath and behind all other allegiances is the allegiance to the great gods that dwell beyond the snowy band of Himavat. These gods are not merely deities alone walking the earth. They are the great gurus, the teachers of teachers, and from them spreads out the great religious educational system of Asia. And this educational system is grounded firmly in the belief in an, uh, in an invisible hierarchy of illumined beings to whom uh, men can aspire and attain and serve if they pass through the necessary trials and testings as in the ancient religious systems. This subject, of course, is highly controversial. But regardless of controversy, let us face it. Uh, there are many controversial things that we never question. 
we never question in our common religious thinking, uh, for example, the forgiveness of sin. Yet this can be a very highly controversial issue. Many millions of people never question the vicarious atonement, although rationally it is impossible to demonstrate. Yet at the same time, they will question another concept that is foreign or strange to them, but no less reasonable. These concepts, therefore, will always be questioned by those to whom the need is not immediate. But to the four or five hundred million Chinese who are seeking desperately at the present time to preserve themselves as a people against a comparative minority of materialistically trained autocrats, the belief in an infinite justice infinitely manifesting and available to them from their ancient religion, their ancient faiths, and personified for them in their sages and teachers. Such beliefs are essential to survival, to the maintenance of a conviction, and this conviction will operate because out of the believing will come the strength to support that belief when practical evidence arises. In the Near East and in North Africa, the same situation prevails. The, the advent of the promised saint, the coming Messiah, is awaited throughout the Islamic world. The coming of another teacher is their great need. They believe firmly that this teacher will arise from the depths of the great secret assembly which they hold to be sacred. They believe definitely that it will rise out of the spirit and soul of Islam, locked in its mysterious hierarchy of sanctified but invisible teachers. They therefore wait patiently for the coming of their Ahmed, their beloved of all nations. They wait for the coming of the being in whom these attributes will appear. When he comes, Islam rises with him, because Islam is already conditioned for him. Everywhere, therefore, where men have traditions, they have traditions of these visible or invisible organizations. And wherever need arises, they revitalize them and use them as instruments against tyranny. Also in our private lives, we personally have a belief in a secret organization. We have a belief in the secret laws of God, operating visibly in the world, but substantially held in the divine mind, held as something held secret and sacred. And it is because we believe in these laws and believe in their ultimate manifestation to all men that we variously serve and endeavor and carry on the numerous activities of life with a good hope against the perils of the times. And because we have a belief that there is a divine authority behind all human authority and that this authority operates in the world according to the will of the divine, through instruments selected for that purpose. Because of this, we are able to meet 
the future with serenity of spirit, whereas those not so believing live in continuously increasing tension and doubt. Thus the ideas that there are positive and constructive forces continuously operating beneath the surface of society, such ideas help us to continue our own lives in a more constructive and benevolent manner, giving us the continuous assurance that we are laboring in the causes that are right, and that, that this right will ultimately succeed and will come to the full expression of itself. This is more or less the psychology behind the great religious and philosophical societies of the past. And this is the psychology which moving from religion has made political and social progress possible. Therefore, we have a continuing indebtedness to such societies until those times come in which their various noble incentives and purposes are so completely fulfilled that there need no longer remains. And this cannot be until the world is indeed one brotherhood of enlightened persons, working together for common good, preserving each other's rights and privileges as inalienable, and dedicated to common security and world peace. When these things happen, then we will see, as the ancient said, the mysterious temple of the mysteries, born and fashioned in this world, and that our entire way of life will be a sanctuary of divine powers. This was their ancient dream, and it survives to guide, instruct, and inspire us in our modern way of life. Time's up. <laughs>